Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox with Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area and in Bradenton, Florida, and of course, everywhere in between and beyond. He's got an office, though, in Strongsville, Ohio. And if you want to find out more information about the show and to subscribe, you can find all the necessary links by going to skyboxasset.com. That's skyboxasset.com. Scott, great to be with you once again this week. How you been, sir? I'm doing great, Walter. It's uh, you know, it's March. We're getting close to the end of winter here, so uh, I'm excited. I love spring. Uh, you love spring because it means you're basically spending all of your waking hours that aren't work related going to lacrosse activities, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm knee deep in it right now. All right, what has been uh, have, as you've watched your daughters play lacrosse over the years? Uh, have you gotten into the coaching side of things? Have you re- reffed a little bit here and there too, or have you always just sort of maintained the, the the proud dad and fan on the sideline? Well, you know, I was one of those dads years and years ago that just talks too much, and and uh, I ended up coaching probably about ten years ago. So I've coached for ten years, and I coach at the high school now. So. Oh, very cool. That's very that's great. Yeah. So you're 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 well in it now. Well, yeah. You're gonna say oh, yeah. you're one and of those over passionate fans that got banned for, you know, getting too into the game. So you have to watch from afar now. But well, the great thing about <laughs> coaching lacrosse is that most people don't know the rules. So you don't have parents yelling at you because they don't really understand what's going on half the time. <laughs> that is true, especially in women's lacrosse. No offense, yes. but it is more complicated to follow uh, than men's lacrosse. There's a few other nuanced rules. I called, uh, you know, my sports casting days. I called a couple of men's lacrosse games, and then I went to do a women's game, and I was like, "Wow, this is a totally different sport. This is th- th- much more nuanced." Yeah, there's no helmets, and they're not whacking on each other all the time with right. their sticks. Right. Yep. And then a couple of other little tiny, <laughs> little tiny details that then you keep you on your toes trying to figure it all out. So, well, fantastic, and uh, glad that you are heavily involved in that way, and looking forward to hearing more reports throughout the spring about how all your teams are doing. Yes. We've got a great show on the way today. We're going to answer a question a little bit later on in the mailbag portion of the program from Jerry. And Jerry's got some questions about Social Security, so we're going to dive into that as well. But let's start things off this week by talking, Scott, a little bit about Roth conversions. It's this element of financial planning that's intriguing to a lot of people, and for some people it could be a great strategy to enact. So I want to explore that concept and really just dive into, very simply today, a conversation about what we need to know about Roth conversions. So let's start with the basics. What in the world is a Roth conversion for those who don't know, and why might it be worth considering for somebody? So let's talk a little bit, going back to the basics, talk a little bit about exactly what a Roth IRA is. You have your traditional IRA in which you put pre-tax money into your traditional IRA. So you you either get a tax deduction when you make a contribution to your, your IRA or a 401k is, is basically a company type of IRA. And it'll come out to your paycheck before you pay taxes on it. So you've never paid taxes on any of that money. It continues to grow and deferring, deferring and deferring those taxes until you reach age 59 and a half or whenever you 
you need that money for your retirement, then you pay taxes on that money when you take it out. Now, a Roth works differently in that instead of pre-tax money, you put after-tax money in. So you don't get a tax deduction or anything like that. You just make a contribution into that Roth IRA and all that money then continues to grow tax-free. And then when you take that money out in your retirement, the 59 and a half rule still applies. All that money is going to be tax-free for you then using your retirement. The conversion aspect of it is you can take a 401k or an IRA or a qualified retirement plan and convert that over to a Roth. When you do that, you have to pay taxes on the money that you're converting. But the whole idea behind this strategy is that if you are like me and you believe tax rates are going to be higher in the future, then you're going to be paying taxes at a lower rate now than you would be in the future. Thus, it'd be advantageous to do that conversion into that Roth IRA. Makes sense, Scott. Now, I've heard that Roth conversions can, in particular, be helpful to high-income earners. Is there some truth to that statement? Well, you know what? The one thing about Roth IRA contributions and putting money into Roth IRAs is that you're limited based on what your income is. But a Roth conversion has no limits on converting IRA money to Roth IRA money. The only limitation is going to be you're going to have to have excess cash laying around to pay those taxes. You can't convert and withhold money out of that conversion from the IRA to the Roth. So you have to have some cash sitting around on the side so that you can have that money available to pay the taxes. And for high income earners, you're not able to contribute to a Roth IRA. So there's different strategies like backdoor uh, Roth IRAs where we can kind of put money into an IRA and convert it to Roth and different strategies you can use. But it's the conversion is a way that you can start to accumulate some of that tax-free money for you in retirement if you make more than 124000 on an individual basis or 196000 on a on a married basis you're not able to make any of those contributions. So that conversion then becomes a very valuable tool for high income earners. Let's talk about mistakes since we're covering everything we need to know about Roth conversions today. What are some of the common mistakes that you see people make, whether they're in the high income earner category or not, when it comes to Roth conversions? Well, I already kind of touched on a little bit of them, but the first thing a lot of people overlook is that you can't withhold money from that conversion. So you need to have cash available to pay the taxes on the conversion. I had a client just into my office last week and we went over some different uh, situations on converting the Roth. And we've used some very sophisticated software in order to look and analyze all the tax brackets, take a look at some of the cash they have available. And then we kind of work within those brackets to convert some of that IRA money over in the Roth but you need to have that cash available to pay for it. The other thing is a few years ago, they changed the laws and that if you do a conversion into a Roth IRA, you can't do what's called recharacterization. In other words, you can't change your mind later in the year anymore. So you have to make sure that when you do it, that you are definitely intent on doing it. And that recharacterization would come into play years ago if, for some reason, you 
you had converted your IRA to a Roth IRA and then the stock market dropped and the value dropped, you could back it back out and then do it again at that lower dollar amount, thus pay less money on in taxes. So they got rid of that. So you have to be careful if you're going to do it, you have to make sure that, you know, that you've planned everything out, you've dotted all your I's, you've crossed all your T's because you can't go back and do it again. And then make sure you've got that cash available to pay for the taxes. All right, Scott. Well, you know, I love examples. So how about an example of somebody that would really benefit from a Roth conversion? And then maybe after that's an example of somebody who shouldn't do a Roth conversion. Somebody it makes sense for, somebody it doesn't. Well, you know, I, I just mentioned that, that client I, I had a, in my office not too long ago. They have a very high concentration of money in IRAs and 401ks, and that creates several different problems for them. Number one, when they reach age 72, they're going to have to start to take money out of that IRA. Well, that's going to add on to their income in their retirement, make more of their Social Security taxable, and cause them to pay a heck of a lot more in taxes down in the future. So the other thing is because they have that high concentration of that uh, IRA or 401k money, when they pass away with the new SECURE Act, their heirs now need to take that money out within a 10-year time period. So it creates a little bit more of a tax burden on, on the children if we've got that high concentration. So in their case, they really benefited from taking advantage of these low tax rates right now because we've got extremely low tax rates and they are doing a systematic process over the next six years where they're going to start to convert almost the majority of their IRA over into that Roth. So not only do they not have to take that money out at 72, because with the Roth, you don't have to take required minimum distributions. But secondly, you also have the ability to pass that money tax-free to the kids. They still have to take it out within that 10-year time period, but all that money can continue to grow tax-free for 10 years, and then they can take it out right at the end of that 10-year time period. So that's an example you know, the other thing to consider too is if you're not using that IRA or 401k money you know, to live on, if it's excess money, maybe, like I said, you've got a high balance or a high concentration in there and you're not utilizing that money, the Roth conversion strategy really works out well for you and your family. And on, on the converse side of that, uh, if you don't have a lot of liquid assets, you may have a huge concentration in IRAs, but you don't have much money to pay the taxes on it. Maybe that Roth IRA conversion strategy may not necessarily work that well for you. We may need to have to take withdrawals out of your IRA, pay taxes on that, then you know, look at other avenues to try to build tax-free money later on in your retirement you need to have uh, a cash reserve available to pay those taxes. So someone that has a high concentration but doesn't have a lot of liquid assets, you know, that conversion's probably not something that's going to work out well for them. And then lastly, I would say, you know, if you have a, a, an IRA and you're planning on using it, you're using it to fund your income, maybe a Roth conversion might not necessarily work well in your situation either. So 
interesting to see the different scenarios play out that way. Scott, anything else you'd want to uh, leave us and any other imparting knowledge when it comes to Roth conversions or just what that conversation may look like between you and a client when you're deciding if this is the right fit for somebody? Well, I think you kind of hit on it. I think you need to definitely work with somebody when you're looking at a strategy of converting your, your qualified retirement dollars, your IRAs, 401ks, over into a Roth IRA because there's a lot of pitfalls, a lot of mistakes that you can make. And working with a qualified person that's going to be on your side and walk you through this is going to be invaluable. And the benefits are are huge. If those tax rates indeed do go up in the future, we could not only have you know tax-free money for you and your retirement, but you can also pass that money to those kids tax-free. But even if tax rates stay the same, there's no harm. You know, we pay taxes at the same rate now as we would pay the same rate later on. So, I mean, really, I think that there it's a very, very valuable tool to start to get some tax-free income for you later on in, in, in your retirement, minimize your taxes later on in retirement, and then also get that money to the kids in the most tax-efficient manner possible. Well, if you have any questions about what we've talked about so far on the podcast today, if it's about Roth conversions, if it's something that you've wondered about before or after hearing our conversation today, want to know if a Roth conversion might be a good idea for you to employ with your financial plan, give Scott a call. 888-742-0111 is the number. Scott has more than 20 years of experience helping people plan to get to and through retirement. You can call 888-742-0111 with any of your questions or go to talktoscott.com and you can schedule a time to talk with Scott uh, anytime that works for you. And uh, you can check out the schedule and book a spot right online by going to talktoscott.com. And we'll put links to get in touch with Scott in the description and show notes of today's episode. So just check that out and you can easily get in touch. Well, there you have it. Everything you need to know about Roth conversions, at least everything you need to know until you come in and have a further in-depth conversation about your particular plan in your particular situation. Well, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. It's getting to know you time. Well, this is a fun question for you this week, Scott. Just curious, what is your favorite sport? I guess I would guess lacrosse based on our conversation from earlier, but but maybe not. No, bingo. You got it. Okay. I mean, I, I love lacrosse. Well, women's lacrosse because obviously having four daughters, all of them play lacrosse. I, I've learned to love the sport. I mean, it, it's... Uh, You'd have a mutiny it, it, on your hands if you didn't say lacrosse. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that may be true too. But uh, no, I mean, it's a fun, fast sport. It takes a lot of skill and I just love lacrosse. I mean, I love watching it. I love coaching it. And I've got two daughters that play in college, one that's a senior that's going to go play in college, and then uh, a 10-year-old that plays too. And and they all love it. And you know, We're just a lacrosse family. So that definitely is my favorite sport. You it, read my mind, Walter. It is a fast, uh, fast-paced sport. I mean, there's a lot of action and movement. It's a lot like hockey. There's just always something going on. I think that is probably very attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, you know what? We've got a lot of girls that have played hockey previously, as well as a lot of soccer players, because there's a lot of running. Yeah, a lot of running. Got to be physically fit to play that sport, no doubt about it. What position do all of your uh, do all of your girls play? Are they all out in the field, or do you have any goalies in the in the team? 
no goalies. I've I've got an attack player. I've got a, a midfield player that goes defense and and attack, and then uh, I've got a, a defensive player. So, and then my my youngest one, she just kind of goes all over the place. So, <laughs> a few more a few more kids, and you can have an entire team, Scott. Yeah, well, there's twelve, so there's not much uh, chance of that happening. <laughs> There's 12 kids on a team. That's, so, right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Well, you can have you can get a, get close to a half a team. So there you go. It's still <laughs> still impressive. Even if the four teamed up, you'd be in pretty good shape there. Uh, well, it's funny when we're having four kids. Whenever I go anywhere, it's always like we go out with our friends. It's like we're always like the biggest chunk of the group, right? right? You know, we're going on vacation, and again, we go with friends. It's like we're like half the group. Yeah, everywhere we go, we're always the biggest chunk of everything. You, so. you know the saying, it, it's always an adventure. For you guys, it's always an expensive venture. <laughs> it is. There's no doubt about that. Well, very cool. Glad to hear that uh, you're enjoying the sport that you are just that incredibly involved with. Uh, it would be sad if it wasn't that way. So that's very cool that you've been able to adopt that passion for lacrosse. Well, it's time to answer some questions from our listeners. In particular, we've got one good one we're going to cover today. Let's do that now. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And our mailbag question this week comes to us from Jerry in Gates Mills. And Jerry says, Scott, I just looked at my social security estimate that shows how much I'll get if I started at ages 62, 66, and 70. I'm blown away by how much more I'd get at 70. So I'm inclined to just wait until then to start it even though I'll probably retire around 66 or 67. I'm assuming that putting it off like this is the best course of action for somebody like me. What do you think? Well, I always have to put that little disclaimer in there that everybody's situation is different. Certainly, Jerry, on the surface, great question. And a lot of it comes down to how long are you going to live? So if you, one of the things I do with my clients a lot is we have a conversation about family history. You know, my clients' parents have passed away in their early 50s, and their grandparents passed away in their 50s, and they're like, yeah, you know, I've got issues now. Then we might change that strategy a little bit because if 70 always works best if you live long enough, and that break-even point's going to vary uh, usually right around that late 70s, early 80s kind of time frame for most people. But the other thing you need to consider, too, is that you need to have money to fund that gap before Social Security kicks in. When you reach full retirement age, your Social Security, you know, which is 66, 67, you know, depending on exactly when your birthday is. But when you reach full retirement age, your Social Security benefits going to increase 8% a year until you reach age 70. So if you continue to accumulate it, you're going to get a lot bigger Social Security payment. But then you need the fund from the time that you retire till age 70 on your own with your retirement plans or the savings that you have. So you need to make sure you take that into account too. Then you also need to be aware if you take Social Security earlier, you know, 62 or 63, 64, before your full retirement age, you have to make sure you, you take into account your spouse too. Because if you pass away, your spouse is able to get half of your Social Security benefit as long as it's greater than your spouse's amount. 
If you take it early, though, it's going to reduce that amount that that spouse will be able to receive. And that's another thing you need to take into consideration. So I know I kind of went off the train tracks a little bit on that one, but the reality is everybody's situation is a little bit different. You certainly are going to get the most money for your retirement if you wait to age 70 and you live long enough. So there you go, Jerry. Yeah, it's a great question, Jerry. It's a common one. So many people, right, Scott, have that question about when do I start Social Security? And some people are on Jerry's end of the spectrum of, yeah, man, that that extra benefit at 70 looks great. And others are like, no, I want it as fast as I can possibly get it. Yeah, you know, all the time, every meeting, that's always something that we go over. And it's always a question. And there's a lot of people out there like, oh, wait, I'm 62. I can get Social Security. I better get it right away because, you know, if I die tomorrow, then, you know, I've wasted all my money. I get that thinking. But the reality is, is that probably does not make the most financial sense, especially if you have a spouse involved. You, You need to take that into consideration, too. Yeah, it's a great point. Great question, Jerry. Thanks for sending that one in to us as well. And if you have any questions that you want to send Scott's direction, you can get one-on-one guidance and answers to your questions by calling 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Or schedule a free consultation online by going to talktoscott.com. Do it now. Schedule a time to meet with Scott and get on the right track with your own financial plan if you haven't done so already. Talktoscott.com, your place to go there. Scott, we appreciate the help on today's episode. Enjoyed chatting a little bit about Roth conversions and some Social Security stuff and a lot of lacrosse on today's show, too. And uh, we look forward to doing it again next week. Walter, I look forward to it every time. And uh, go Strongsville Girls Lacrosse. There you go. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.